He was dying on that cross, not because of his inability, but because of his absolute authority. He was in that moment crushing the head of Satan. Do you get it? Amen. Man, may we always take moments to take inventory. What's God doing? How is he stirring? How is he moving? Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. We have a God who is right here with us. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, it's great to be worshiping with you. It's great to rally together, both here in person and online. We're glad to be able to rally together to make much of Jesus Christ. Man, we're in a series called Hope Revealed. Hope Revealed. And we're talking about the greatness of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the hope that he revealed in what he did for us, in his death and his resurrection, but more than just in the actions of Christ, in the words of Christ. There are some thunderous quotes from Christ as he was going to the cross, as he rose from the dead, as he spent those final days with the disciples. And we're going to be walking through some of those, right? We launched Easter Sunday with the first one as he said, see my hands, see my feet. Like, do you see I am alive? Jesus Christ, he is alive. Everybody say he is alive. He is alive, and we celebrated that in a massive way Easter Sunday. And then last week, as we began, just kind of backed the truck up a little bit and went to the crucifixion moment, Christ on the cross, and he's talking to one of the criminals there who is giving his life to him there next to him, stunned by who Jesus is, stunned by how he's responding. And Jesus says to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. Like there's a promise that when we are gone from this world, we are immediately home with Jesus in paradise. There is a promise of perfection, amen, man. There is a promise of perfection. There is a promise of forever. There is a God who has it in hand and he takes us home to paradise. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more struggle, no more of my sin washing on someone else's shore. And thank God, no more of their sin washing on mine either. And all of God's people said, man, this is our hope. We have a God who is fixed forever. And we worship and we praise him. And as we dive in to the passage today, why? Why did God walk through it in this way? That's really what we're going to be looking at. And we're, in fact, kind of jumping ahead. If you remember from Easter Sunday, there was a rallying together of the disciples that was going on. And a couple of them were the guys on the road to Emmaus. So we're going to be looking at that story today. So let's make sure that we've got a little bit of the understanding, right? The moment these guys were in as we pick up the story. They had come to uh, Jerusalem to be able to celebrate as they came to Jerusalem, they were there for Passover. This is something that a good Jewish person would do every single year. You would go to Jerusalem in the springtime for Passover. In fact, there were three times a year a Jewish person would travel to Jerusalem, and uh, the springtime and Passover being one of those. And so they're there at Passover. They're there to celebrate what God has done you know, centuries ago with the release from Egypt. That's what the Passover is all about as they celebrate that together. But while they were there, they also knew there was someone there named Jesus. He's been rocking the whole place. They're, they're hearing of people literally being healed. 
people walking, people seeing, miracles taking place, him teaching in thunderous ways, and people are starting to get stirred. Maybe this is the one. And so as they're coming into the Passover, as they're coming into Jerusalem, they can't wait to see that guy. In fact, as you go to the week right before Passover coming up on that Palm Sunday, they ended up rallying around Jesus. This is the guy, man. This is who we're talking about. And as he climbed on a donkey, they're like, see, fulfillment of the Old Testament as the Messiah rides in on a donkey. Here we go. And they're like crying out, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes. In the name of the Lord, they're celebrating, they're pumped up, they can't believe this is the guy. And, and then just a handful of days later, it all falls apart and they're like, never mind. In fact, some even go to crucify him. And as he's taken to the cross, approved by the very Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaders of the Jewish community, Jesus is crucified and they're waiting for something to happen. Somebody stop it. This can't be the way it's going to go. And as Jesus gets nailed to that cross, can you imagine? As you're staring at the person you thought all hope was in and they're now up on a cross nailed. They're gasping their last. You see the blood. You see the hurt. And then you see him literally breathe his last as he cries out, it is finished. And as you're walking away from that, you are devastated, reeling. What was this all about? Who is this guy? I don't even understand. And the next two days were turmoil. And all of a sudden on Sunday morning, there's word that comes back because the women had gone to the tomb. You know, when they went to the tomb on that Sunday morning, it was because he had been crucified on Friday night. They had to get it done before sunset because then all of a sudden it's Sabbath and you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So they had to get everything done fast. There was a hurry and they grieved through the whole weekend as the ladies got up early to run to the tomb. They're like, we have to finish the job. We have to put some things out. We have to care for this moment. And so they were putting whatever out, flowers and incense and some other things there as they just took some time to honor Jesus. And as they got there, the tomb was rolled open. They're like, what in the world? And all of a sudden an angel appears saying, he is risen. They end up running home to tell the disciples. They're coming in out of breath and they're like, I'm telling you, tomb open, angels talking. They're saying he's risen. And these guys, these two guys from Emmaus, they're like, well, we've been here all week and it's Passover is done, man. I got to get out of here. And so they're packing up and they're walking home seven miles to Emmaus. They're not quite sure where the city of Emmaus is, but just know this. If you look in Jerusalem in the area, it's kind of like this. So seven miles, hills. Like it's not a small walk wherever they're going and it's gonna take some time. They're like, we gotta get out of here. And so they start on the road to Emmaus talking about it. And they're like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can believe, it. I'm not sure. And we saw, but then you're hearing and that's where we pick it up, all right? So everybody turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. Point number one, praise him. Jesus meets us where we are. Praise him. Jesus meets us where we are. 
In whatever our struggle, in whatever our heartache, he cares for you in that moment. As we pick it up, it says, that very day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. That very day, like the day that the women heard Jesus was risen, the day the tomb was found open, the day the angels made themselves known, that same day on the way home, it says two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Everybody just say, that's a long walk. Right? Can you imagine? You're like, uh, hey, uh, I'm going to go for a seven-mile walk. Right? And the person next to you is like, why? What's wrong with you? Right? This is the way they got around. This was getting home, seven miles, the journey. And, and uh, as they're getting ready to go after this long walk through ravines and hills and all the rest, it says, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Do you think? Like, how is that not the topic? The whole topic, right? And so they're talking about all the things that they've seen, all the hopes they had, the Hosanna celebration, the party that was going on, then the collapse down, the crucifixion, the stunning end, and now these words of potential, maybe, we're not sure. It says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Let's just break it down. While they were talking and discussing with one another, just so you know, in the original language, the word discussing there maybe could be brought with a little more heat. While they were talking and arguing with each other, no way, man, no, 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 that can't be it. Like, really, when he said, couldn't it be? Like, this could be for real. No, no, can't be that. Come on, man. We saw him more like that. A little bit of heat, a little bit of passion in the conversation as they're going back and forth trying to figure out the potential of it. It says Jesus himself drew near. Now, this isn't one of those moments where Jesus was all of a sudden shockingly among them. Jesus just walked at a little faster pace, and he caught up to them. We're not sure where Jesus came from and what was going on, but he just kind of, you know, He drew near, he walked up. Now, if you're walking by yourselves in the hillside, in the ravines and all the rest, you might see somebody coming up to you and be like, okay, dude, like back off. But that wouldn't have been the response here because this was actually Jewish people going back home after the Passover. It was a very natural thing for people to kind of band together a little bit for protection and community on the way back to wherever they were going. And so as Jesus draws up, I'm sure they were like, hey, good to see you. And let's walk together on this. And so as Jesus comes alongside of them, they're beginning to communicate. It says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And this isn't some punishment moment. This isn't Jesus being evil in it. Jesus is like, I'm going to walk you along a process. And you're going to meet me in all that I am, but just hang on. We're going to ease our way through this day right? And so Jesus is holding on with the final revealing, the opening of the eyes. And, and uh, so as they're coming up and talking with Jesus now, it says, what is this conversation that you hold as you are walking with each other? Jesus asks this of them. You can imagine they're walking along and they're like, hey, it's good to see you. Yeah, come on, you can come with us. That's cool. And they're walking along together and they're like, so anyway, what do you think was going on when he said, and they're talking back and forth. And Jesus is like, hey, what you guys talking about? Right? And they're like, uh, the guy says to him, and they 
stood still looking sad. What are you guys talking about? Look, we hoped for a lot. But here's what we're talking about. As they begin to share out, they literally stopped as they were walking. Have you ever been in one of those moments where you experienced enough grief that it stopped you in your shoes, just right where you were? Have you ever been in a moment where you saw something happen and it literally took your breath away, you put your hand to your head, you're like, oh. Like that's one of these. They're like, yeah, it didn't quite go the way we had planned. It says, then one of them named Cleopas answered him. He says, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? You should hear that with as much sarcasm as you possibly can. Are you seriously the only guy in all of Jerusalem who hasn't seen what's going on? Like Jerusalem, we may know it, you may think of it in your head as rather large. It's actually not. It's a fairly small place with the walls of the um, uh, city around it kind of keeping it narrow. And so some 20, 30,000 people in there would actually be kind of packed out. And the word ripped through the place fast. It's stirring all over the place. And they're like, how are you coming from Jerusalem and you don't know what happened, man? Are you the only one? Maybe to put it in, uh, put it in our language, dude, what rock do you live under? Right? That's, that's kind of what he's asking here. Like, how are you doing this? And, uh, and Jesus said to them, what things? Like, he's drawing out. I love the heart of a teacher here as he's wanting them to begin to put words to the emotions and the hopes that they had. He's like, what things? And uh, as he said it, he said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet. See, as soon as we start to put our words to things, we start to explain where our heart's really at, right? Of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he starts to say, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet. Everybody say a prophet. All right, so the reality is, and we're going to see it come up in a little bit, they were hoping this was the Messiah Savior. This is the Christ. This is the chosen one. This is the one who will be king of kings. This is like God Almighty or Messiah chosen one revealed or, well, at least prophet, right? He's now dropped from the highest of highs to, well, we'll bring it down to at least I can verify he's a prophet. He said some things that were very true. He's done some things that were stunning. We'll go with that right now, and it's beginning to show a little bit of where their heart was at. And uh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Like, dude, I saw him do things that you would not believe. Like, I saw him multiply. He was given water. All of a sudden, it's a lot of wine and the wedding feast rocks. I saw bread used to feed 5,000 people. I saw fish, just a few fish, and all of a sudden they're feeding the masses. I saw him do amazing things, and that's just a small. I saw lame people stand up and walk after 30 years of not being able to walk. I saw people who couldn't see weep 
as they began to take in sight and color and people and trees and skies and blues and greens, I saw him rock lives. I saw, I heard that there was a dead man who literally came back to life four days later. I'm telling you, this guy has done things, mighty deeds. I will never back off of profit. That's basically what he's saying. He's like, I'm telling you, this man had mighty deeds, and when he taught, when he spoke, people's lives were stirred in huge ways. This one was used of God, but it didn't go the way we hoped. He says, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Notice he says, how our. He's not disowning himself from Judaism. He's still a Jew. He's like, our chief priests, the guys in charge, the ones who are supposed to be so in contact with God and all that's going on. Yeah, their choice was to deliver him up to crucifixion. I don't know. Like, I don't know what I do with that. Do I say that my leaders who are supposed to be so godly don't know what's going on? Do I say that the things Jesus claimed maybe confused us? I don't, I don't know what to say of it. That's what happened. The chief priests are choosing to walk him to his death and so they crucified him. It says, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem all Israel. Do you hear it? It's like, look, I'm telling you he's prophet. I was hoping for more. I was hoping Messiah chosen one. I'm hoping God among us, Emmanuel. I am hoping, and yet that hope seems dashed. He says it is now the third day since these things. In other words, dude, it's done. Three days after the death, a body is not doing well. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I'm just telling you it's done. And we are shocked. And we can't believe that our rulers didn't see what we thought we saw. And the whole thing is done. What is going on? Their eyes did not see. And our eyesight is so fragile, isn't it? I mean, we talk about physical eyesight. Like so often, so many of us need glasses or various forms of assist just because our eyes start to fade over the course of time. But our eyes may not even have some physical failing that's happening. They may just be affected in general. I mean, this past week, this weather has been bizarre, by the way. No? Like, I mean, yesterday it was, I literally, I had to go over and get some blood drawn. I went over to get the blood draw. It was like dark, windy, horrible. It, and I walked in, I walked out about 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later. It's bright, sunny, 70 degrees, gorgeous. It was perfect. I get home, I'm talking to Jana. All of a sudden, the whole house feels like it's rocking with some wind. And I look outside and this rain is coming down like torrents like somebody somewhere was building an ark kind of thing, you know? And all of a sudden I look out and you can hear it hitting harder and we were getting like huge pieces of hail hammering the house for about five minutes. Somewhere up there it was cold making hail. It's 70 degrees down here, right? It was crazy weather going on. Man, this past couple of weeks, John and I have decided it's time to start walking again. Her foot's doing a little better and so we've been deciding to go out on walks and uh, 
I'm just saying this maybe wasn't the best week or two to decide to go on walks. You know what I mean? And like, it was not a good spring week to go on walks. In fact, one of our neighbors as we were walking is riding by on his bike with his hair all like put up into whatever and his hat on and he's like got gloves on and he rides by and he's like, the winter that never ends, right? So cold, man. And as we're walking along, it's like 30 degrees out and the wind is whipping and you're kind of having to lean into it. And as it cut hard on my face, I had tears literally just start running down my face from the wind in my eyes. Everything was like a blur. I could see nothing. And that was just from some wind in my eyes. Man, I'm telling you, these guys had wind in their spiritual eyes. They couldn't see, they were blinded in whatever, there there was distortion in the rest. And how is your eyesight when it comes to Jesus Christ? Are you seeing what he's doing in your life today? Right here and now, do you see his hand at work? Your God loves you. And he is working massively in your life. Do you see it? Or do you have the wind of the world blowing on your eyes and it's causing you to see everything in a blur? Lord God, give me eyes to see that you might get all the praise. May we praise him as he makes obvious to us what's going on. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Point number two believe. Believe in him. Jesus shows us who he is in scripture. Believe in him. Jesus shows us who he is in scripture. It says, moreover, some of our women of our company amazed us. Like we have some women in our crew that came running back home and they said some things that were stunning. He says, they were at the tomb in the early morning. And when they did not find his body, they came running back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Like we have women in our crew, they went out to take care of the tomb. They're running back with some story about angels. And here's the deal, man. When we read in the Bible, all too often, you just start reading in Bible language, you know? And you're like, and they saw angels. And you're like, oh, good for them. Like, can we just say this for real? The statement to them was as shocking to them as it is to us. If you're talking to somebody and you're like, how's your day? And they're like, oh, phenomenal. I just saw some angels. You'd be like, what? Dude, are you okay? What's going on? That's not normal. I'm not saying it's impossible, but that's not normal. What are you talking about? That would be the same response. Like, oh yeah, we saw some angels. They said he's alive. What? What do you say? In fact, some of them were so not in belief, but kind of in belief. They're like, I got to go check it out myself. And Peter and others ran out there to go check it out. This has to be checked out. You cannot toy around with it. In fact, the angel said that he was alive. Here's what I love. In fact, the angel said it's one word in the Greek. He is living. It is a thunderous statement from the angels. He is living He is risen from the dead. He is alive. He is living. Everybody say, he is living. living. Jesus Christ, he's alive. 
And these women heard this and they were beginning to share it out. And so these guys are now sharing with Jesus. By the way, that means as they're walking home to Emmaus, they have heard the whole story so far. They knew the women had heard from the angels. They knew the details. They were just wrestling with it and had to head for home. It says, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And there's the problem. There wouldn't be as much talk about all of the other stuff if it went, they went to the tomb and they met Jesus and they talked to him and they brought him back to us. They'd be talking more about Jesus risen, but right now they're talking about We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening. And uh, they didn't see him, but they did see the tomb open. As they're sharing this with Jesus, can you imagine? I'm not sure what Jesus' facial expressions was like as he was walking along with them. And they're like, and then the angels appeared. Oh, really? (laughs) Like, yeah, I sent them. Yeah. Right? Like, and and they were like, he's living right in front of you. You know, like what was going on in Jesus? It had to be kind of a fun moment for him to be walking along with them as he's trying to grasp with them and they're not getting And they're like, and the angels were saying like, he lives. And he's like, and he's three feet from you, right? And uh, that moment is where Jesus now steps in. He's like, uh, oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the promise, prophets have spoken. Man, you've got to see this with a smile on Jesus' face. Oh, foolish ones. (laughs) You're missing it. Do you understand what the prophets of old have said? It's time to let the word impact you. The wind of this world has been blinding your eyes. And it's time for you to see. Jesus now inviting them to a deep, deep knowledge as he shares it with them. He's like, I know you've put together that he is a man of mighty deeds, and I know you've put together that his speaking is really strong, and I know you grasp all of the intent of what he might be. Now put together what the word says. Take it all the way home. Come on, man. You've almost got this. And then Jesus says, the thunder statement, the quote for the day. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Was it not necessary? Everybody just say necessary. Man, it's absolutely essential that we grasp this was necessary. What went down with Jesus wasn't a, I don't know, let's just try this next. We'll see. There's a lot of options, but we could, this is the thing that fulfilled the full character of all that God is. This is the thing that gave answer to the hope we need and the sin we have. This was what was necessary, that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. Don't you know that the Messiah should have gone through that suffering? You're like, I have a problem. He suffered. And he's like, you don't have a problem. He should have suffered. That's the hope that you have. And he says, in beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I just got to tell you, I've taken a lot of classes over the years. 
and I do a lot of studying every week. I love to learn. Like I just love to drink in new things, whatever it is, whatever the topic. I cannot imagine what it was like to be on the rest of that walk with them to Emmaus. To be able to hear from Jesus all of the insights of the Old Testament and to unveil in so many ways all that God had as a plan. God had a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And Jesus was beginning to unveil to them. Let me show you how it was already recorded in the Old Testament for you to see. I've heard a lot of people go through and and try to guess what different things are that are said. Obviously, we don't have those details recorded. But one thing is for sure, most of the time I hear people talking about it, they talk about all the different ways that Jesus was going to like suffer and, and go through those details, which isn't wrong. It proves the reality of it. And he very well may have done that. But I thought maybe it'd be good for us to at least see that the gospel message is built into the Old Testament. And so the top four things that we could pull from the Old Testament, these are truths about the gospel. Why would Jesus have to suffer? Here we go, ready? Point number one, God's holiness calls for a penalty. God's holiness calls for a penalty. And there's a lot of passages you can go to, but one strong one would be Ecclesiastes 12, 14. And it could very well be that Jesus was quoting that to him. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, it says, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret, whether good or evil. His holiness will stand in judgment over all of that. And praise God, we have our actions covered in Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. We have hope that Jesus covers our sin. And all of God's people said, but Ecclesiastes 12, 14 is, there is a holy God and in his holiness, he will hold behavior accountable. Here's the second one. God's wisdom calls for a plan. God's wisdom calls for a plan, right? God's holiness called for a penalty. God's wisdom calls for a plan. In Genesis chapter three, verse 15, remember chapter three is when Adam and Eve have sinned. They've collapsed into sin. They're trying to hide. They're trying to blame shift. And as God starts to talk to them about the reality of it, in chapter three, verse 15, he gives the plan for hope. He says, listen, the heel of man is going to crush the head of Satan. Now, all too often we skid past that, but check this. Man has just collapsed in sin, destroyed. Satan, kind of the author of that whole thing. Satan ushering in sin. And he's like, man is going to be over Satan, crushing down on. How is that possible? How could man in any way be great enough to crush sin and sin's authorship into this world? How can that happen? And the answer is because God himself is going to clothe himself with humanity. He's like, let me set it up. There is going to be an answer and it's going to have to come through humanity. The heel of man is going to crush the head of Satan. Everybody say, that's Jesus. He alone is the only human being, perfect in nature, who has the right and the privilege to crush down on sin. And sin is ended and death is terminated because of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. He gives us hope 
And he gives us answer. And so let's talk about the detail. The third one, God's love calls for a propitiation. Or if you want to say it, another payment where he makes it. God's love calls for a propitiation, a payment from him. He's covering the bill. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And with his wounds, we are healed. He is the Lamb of God. I can't imagine the moment when he got to Isaiah 53 and he was like, listen, it is the wounds of the Messiah that will cover your sin. His wounds will cover your transgressions. Pierced for your transgressions. Crushed for your iniquities. Can you imagine You are walking with Jesus and he's sharing with you the plan of salvation that he was dying on that cross, not because of his inability, but because of his absolute authority. He was in that moment crushing the head of Satan. Do you get it? I can't imagine the tears of joy that started to fill their eyes as they were like, oh my word, this was the plan the whole time. He is the Lamb of God for me. And then the fourth gospel moment, hope. God's faithfulness calls for a personal relationship. God's faithfulness calls for a personal relationship. There's a lot of options on this, but Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. He knows those who take refuge in him. The hope that Jesus was sharing, take refuge in me. I have been pierced and crushed to cover your sin because I love you and I have this all in hand. It's been the plan from the beginning. God's statement to Adam and Eve that man right in front of you, would crush the head of Satan. Do you see that God has a plan? And all of this ultimately without compromising his holiness. The statement, and there's so many that Jesus could have gone through, these four so clearly delineating the gospel hope in a coming Messiah who would die and rise again to cover our sin. He is victorious. Everybody just say, he is victorious. And that's the hope that we have in him. That's the privilege. Let's just close this with a super strong moment. Let's jump to verse 31 as the guys end up inviting him home and they're having a meal with him. He's ending up breaking bread and talking with them. And all of a sudden, they start to see. It says in verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from before them. Can you imagine that moment? 
as he starts to make it clear, here's who I am. He's walked them along. He's helped nurture the experience. He's brought it tied together with word. And the two together, this potent statement, they're starting to get it. And he goes, now the reveal. And they're like, oh, oh. Dude, you just saw that, right? What just, what just happened? Do you understand the level of celebration that would have gone on in these guys as they literally just got the first gospel message presented from Jesus Christ himself, stunned with the hope? It says in verse 32, and did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. Did not our hearts burn? Please know this, man. When God moves, we know it. When God stirs, we start to sense it. When God's doing something, it is amazing. Do you know this God? He is the God of love. He is. He loves with all he's got. But he's more than that. He is the God of holiness who demands that sin be paid for. And if we don't choose to have Christ pay for it with us, if that's not where we're at, just know this, then the plan is then you're paying for it yourself. His holiness will not be compromised. His wisdom will not be compromised. The plan is in motion. The hope is Jesus Christ. His love will not be compromised. He loves you with all he's got. He has died for you and he has risen again. Why is it necessary? Because he is great, and there is no one like him. He is our life, he is our love, and he is great. Everybody say, he is great. May we worship Jesus Christ, and may we celebrate the one who was so necessary. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 